Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are at it again, and again, and yes, maybe even again. We aren't giving up, instead, recovering from failure. Sometimes it's more than just telling yourself, better luck next time. There is a process, an awareness, learning, resiliency, and tenacity when you don't get it right the first time, but aren't ready to give up. Can you imagine if we adopted the one and done at every stage of our lives? Oy, let's be honest, we would still be sitting in soiled diapers sucking our thumbs. Thank goodness we didn't give up so easily. Let's find the resolve as we walk through our failures in an attempt to recover and move forward. Ready to dust off and give it another go? Let's get something out of the way in the very beginning. I do believe in giving in. Again and again and again is in no way saying you shouldn't learn something from your failures to modify or abort your original plans. I'm also not suggesting that tenacity is the only thing you need to make something happen when it clearly isn't working. In everything, I'm suggesting a healthy balance of push, pull, and release. Oh boy, we go through so many changes in our lives with radical ideas about the world at every turn. Can you take a moment and think back to an idea you had or something you tried that failed? And now, looking back, you can clearly see why you are thankful for it. Let's take a pause as we reminisce these sometimes laughable moments. should give you a nice frame of reference. That recall was meant to demonstrate why we should never adopt the one and done. Number one, we only know what we know today. And number two, and not only are our ideas growing, but so are our capabilities. Amy Clover, fitness and mental health coach, gives us her ideas from her website, InsideOutStrong.com. The difference between giving up and moving forward. So many of us have hangups with giving up something we start. We slog through day after day of a job that we hate because this is what we've always told ourselves that we wanted. By golly, we're gonna show that younger us we didn't have any idea what this job would entail that we can do it. We start one kind of workout program and Even when we start hating it, we force ourselves to get out and do it while we curse every second because we're committed to doing it every day. Even if it's not working or our bodies don't adapt well to the movements. We over-restrict on our food and even when we're hungry or our body is showing us all the signs of exhaustion or inadequate nutrition, we keep going because that's what we told ourselves we would do. Maybe this is just what skinny feels like. Hmm. After all, we don't want to be quitters. There are many different ways to achieve our big dreams in life. One person's route will not be another's. 
Just because you don't want to continue down this path doesn't mean you're a quitter. It just means this path is not the one you're supposed to take. But how do you tell if your actions are justified? Here, we're talking about the difference between giving up and moving forward. They are not the same thing, though moving forward is often misconstrued as giving up, which keeps people in that dreaded state of boredom or worse, agony. There's a fine line that we're going to explore. Hopefully, it'll jolt you back into that motivated, empowered mindset you've been missing for so long. So, in order to understand the line between giving up and moving forward, we must first define exactly which act is which. Giving up is dropping something just because it's pushing you out of your comfort zone. And moving forward is recognizing that what you're doing is either not working or is making you miserable. Then taking another course that gets you to your goal of what's important. Extremely different, but so often these meanings are exchanged for one another and used as justification of either act. Which one do you usually embrace? After looking at these definitions, would you say that you've been mixing up the two? Time to clear up the confusion. Now's the time when we solidify this knowledge in our heads so that we know which action we are taking from here on out. To avoid giving up, and ensure moving forward, we must first identify the reasons behind your urge to stop. The reason behind the action is the main difference between giving up and moving forward. Let's go over how to analyze the situation. But heads up, it requires brutal honesty. Number one, ask yourself why you want to stop. Keep going deeper by asking yourself why to every question until you get as specific as possible. Number two, is the reason sound? A simple way to answer this question is asking yourself whether or not this suffering will go away with time if you keep going down this path. Is it one that will strengthen your body or your mind by embracing discomfort? Or is it one that only makes you more miserable and wouldn't be fixed with time or practice? Number three, determine the verdict. If you're quitting this path simply because it's putting you outside your comfort zone, then you are giving up. If you're quitting because you're absolutely miserable and it's not something that time and practice will fix, then you're moving forward with a new plan. The silver lining is that either way, you choose whether you give up or move forward at this moment. You can either accept and proceed with a new mindset that the pain is temporary or move forward with a new plan of action to get you to your end result. Okay, here's the bonus round to determine how you'll move forward from here. Ask yourself, is it worth it? If you determine that your reason for stopping would strengthen your body or mind by pushing through, also ask yourself if the end result is worth the time and effort you're putting in. If you determine that it would only make you more miserable and wouldn't be fixed with time or practice, ask yourself if there is another way to achieve your goal. Keep those answers in mind as you go into the next category, finding your path. To move forward, you have to create a new plan. Otherwise, it's just giving up. But how do you know if you're doing the right thing? 
if you knew you would have picked it in the first place, right? Wisdom comes from learning from our mistakes. There's no way to know whether or not you're heading down the right path when you first start off. There are, however, ways to check in with yourself while you're on this path to make sure that you're still heading in the right direction. When you choose a path, be it a new workout program or a career, you simply have to follow your gut. Ask yourself, what excites you? What do you look forward to? What seems the least dreadful if neither of the former questions speak to you? Use the answers from these questions as a guide to choosing a path. Then, while you're on that path, do a periodic check-in with yourself to make sure it's not time to switch lanes. Ever so often, check in with the following questions. Am I happy? If not, is it tolerable enough to give it at least three weeks of commitment before moving forward to another path? Are my actions getting me closer to my goals? Is my goal still important to me? If you've taken all these steps and have resolved that the path you're on is the one that you need to continue down, but you're still having a hard time with it, hmm, I feel for you. New habits start out rough. Your body and mind will fight you because you don't want to change. It's crucial to your success that you accept that this stage needs to take place in order for you to get to the end result. If it's a physical change you're after, soreness and pushing yourself to sweat are the names of the game. If it's a career you want and you're working your way up, you may have to do some menial jobs you don't enjoy for a while before earning that promotion. If you're working to change your mindset to be more positive, your journaling and behavioral exercises can be annoying and even painful to do, but they are leading you to a happier life. Remember what's important to you and ground yourself in that when you feel like giving up. about a time you should have thrown in the towel instead of trying again? Can you see now how you might have changed your approach or direction for a better outcome? None of us like rejection. We aren't going into something excited that there is a 50-50 split of yes and no, win or lose. Most of us don't haphazardly throw spaghetti hoping it will stick. We've done our homework, researched our ideas, put in the long hours, vowed dedication, and yet still have a 50% chance it won't work. Not giving up the first time can have everything to do with timing and little to do with the actual idea or process. But it's important to evaluate that before you continue to insert square peg in round hole. I think about the guy ramming a door with his shoulder. Nope. Before you back up and give it another go, let's work out some details. Have you tried the handle? How about a knock? Could there be an open window? Text the owner? You see where I'm going with this. Take this first attempt failure as a chance to go over your plan with some real-world practical knowledge. You tried, and it didn't work. Now what? If you take the one-and-done approach, 
you're just walking away with a bruised shoulder and maybe a more damaged ego. Dr. Guy Winch helps us understand the impact of failure with the essential guide for recovering from failure found on psychology.com. Failure is painful, disappointing, and demoralizing. But in addition to these obvious emotional bruises, failure can impact us on an unconscious level as well and leave wounds that are far more psychologically devastating. Recognizing the various psychological injuries we sustain when we fail and learning how to treat them will help you recover more rapidly and more fully, both psychologically and emotionally, and increase your chances of success in the future. Number one, failure makes our goals seem tougher. Scientists asked people to kick an American football over a goalpost 10 times, after which they asked them to assess the distance and height of the goalpost. People who failed at the task assessed the goalpost as being significantly further away and higher than people who succeeded. Failure impacts our unconscious perceptions, such as our goals seem further and more out of reach. This causes another unconscious distortion. Number two. Failure makes our abilities seem weaker. Once we fail, we not only see our goals as harder to reach, we perceive ourselves as less capable of reaching them. Again, these are not accurate assessments, but natural distortions that occur on an unconscious level. These two distortions have an additional impact, which is number three. Failure damages our motivation. Numerous studies have demonstrated that whether we believe we will succeed or fail has a direct impact on how much effort we invest in reaching our goal. When we fear we are unlikely to succeed, we unconsciously invest less effort in pursuing our goal and consequently, we are indeed less likely to obtain it. All of which introduces another unconscious dynamic. Number four. Failure makes us risk-averse. The less confident we are and the more worried about failing, the less likely we are to take risks, emotional or otherwise. Ironically, once we fail at a more conventional approach, finding a riskier solution might be the best and most important avenue for us to pursue. But once we're hesitant to take risks, we're less likely to even consider them because, number five, failure limits our ability to think outside the box. Once failure makes us more risk-averse, it impacts our ability to think more creatively and to find solutions that are outside the box. Because of definition, such solutions entail less certainty and more risk. But since these dynamics are largely unconscious, We often don't recognize how our thinking has been impacted and instead believe we've simply run out of new approaches and ideas to pursue, which is why, number six, failure makes us feel helpless. Over 50 years ago, psychologists Martin Selgren and Steve Mayer gave participants a test that told them it was indicative of intelligence. It was not. In fact, the test was rigged such that it was impossible to complete. They found that once participants failed at the rigged test, 
They acted helpless, so much so that when they were given a similar test, one that was well within their capabilities, they failed it because they felt too helpless to give it a real try. Failure often makes us feel helpless, even though we're not, because, number seven, failure leads us to make incorrect and damaging generalizations. When we fail, we often generalize the experience in sweeping and self-punitive ways and draw incorrect and unnecessary conclusions about our general intelligence, abilities, capacities, and even about our luck in life, or what was or wasn't meant to be. The only thing we can conclude for sure after a failure is that we are unsuccessful at that particular task or goal, in that particular time, in those particular circumstances. find out how to treat the wounds failure inflicts. Number one, fight the distortions. Recognize that failure distorts our perceptions about the task itself and about our capacities. Don't buy that you are incapable. Adopt a mindset of persistence and optimism and refuse to give up. Number two, revive your self-worth. Try to ignore your recent failure for a moment and make a list of the qualities and capacities you possess that should make it possible for you to succeed. If you're having trouble coming up with a list, ask a friend or someone who knows you well to remind you of your strengths. Read your list and reconnect to your potential. Number three, remind yourself of what success would mean to you. Recharge your motivation by reconnecting to the reasons you began pursuing your goal in the first place. Consider how you would feel if you succeeded, especially after having already failed at previous attempts. Number four, take calculated risks. Recognize that it is natural to feel anxious when considering less conventional options, but that it might be essential to do so. Create a list of all the various approaches you can think of, rank them according to the risks they entail, and make informed and calm choices about which to pursue first. Number five, re-engage your creativity. Brainstorm new approaches by following these two steps. In the first, list every approach you can think of while completely ignoring whether it's realistic or possible. Don't censure your ideas at all in this stage. Only once you have a complete and crazy list should you go through it and think through what is actually viable. Number six, focus on factors in your control. Most failures are related to inadequate planning, poor preparation, and insufficient effort. Figure out what was lacking in your planning. How can you be better prepared in the future and how and where you can invest more effort? Number seven, reframe the failures as a single incident. Make a list of the specifics of the situation that might be different when you approach the task next time. Include items such as circumstances, 
factors related to the other people involved, your mood, your spouse's mood, the weather, your general frame of mind, how you slept, and as many others as you can. Then check off the many factors that might be different when you try again. Remember, failure is a great teacher. And if you're open to it, every mistake has a lesson to offer. Failure really does shape us and how we react to the world. As a child, you touch a hot stove and you learn a lesson that it's hot and you never purposely touch it again. But life failures aren't meant to work like that. We don't want to retreat, cower, or withdraw as a result of failure. Whether we're talking about a sport, business venture, or even a relationship, Having the courage to keep going is a feeling that may not immediately come, but instead might take a bit of encouragement. Just like understanding your part in the failed attempt isn't always easy, but will help you uncover key elements of your wants, needs, desires, and limitations. Not everything is supposed to work out. The good thing is, given another try, you have the opportunity to do it again with more knowledge and understanding about yourself. Jeffrey James gives us the steps in how to recover from an epic fail, a step-by-step method for dealing with and overcoming a huge failure in your life or career. The term epic fail gets bounced around a fair amount and probably means different things to different people. In my mind, an epic fail is when you fail to achieve a goal that's an essential part of your life story. It might be the failure of a business you've always wanted to start or a book you spent decades writing. You put your heart and soul into a project that really meant something to you and it just didn't happen. That's epic. So then what do you do? As somebody who has experienced some truly epic fails in my life, Here is a formula that could keep you going. Number one, stop complaining. (laughs) Yes, your efforts didn't get the result you wanted. Yes, it's a disappointment. However, every second you spend complaining about the situation is only setting your failure into concrete. Then once or twice, then suck it up. Number two, take responsibility. Your epic fail wasn't because of the market, competition, customer, economy, or anything else that was out of your control. You failed because you weren't smart enough to adapt to the circumstances, period. (laughs) If you start blaming things that are outside of your control for your failure, you're handing your future destiny over to luck and the uncontrollable. Accept responsibility. You screwed up. Live with it. Number three, forgive yourself. It's only after you've taken full responsibility for your epic fail that you can afford to give yourself some slack. As long as you remember that there's no such thing as an A for effort, it's fine to take pride in the fact that you did your best, assuming you did, of course. Number four, Celebrate the failure. This is the most difficult part, but probably the most important. Consider it's impossible to have an epic fail if you're not attempting something epic. 
You are dreaming big, epic big, and that's more than 99% of the people in this world would ever do. Yeah, it would have been great if you would have won, but the real loser isn't the one who plays and fails. It's the person who never dares to play at all. So celebrate already. Number five, debrief yourself. Stand back from the situation and ask yourself these questions. What did I do that worked? What did I do that didn't work? What could I or should I have done differently? What did I miss completely? Since this is an epic fail, you should plan on spending at least a week with few distractions, really thinking about these questions and coming up with written detailed answers. Number six, recommit yourself. Now it's time to put the failure behind you. It happened and you've learned what you can from it. The only question now is, can you summon the emotional strength to move forward and try again? Be honest with yourself. If your answer is no, you're done with that goal. Let it go. Find something else to do that really gets you motivated. If the answer is yes, then continue to treat success as a must. Recommit yourself to do whatever it takes to achieve an epic success. Number seven, create a new plan. Based on what you've learned from the epic fail, create a plan of action that will lead you towards your goal. If you're truly recommitting yourself, creating this plan will get you energized and excited. However, if you feel an, oh God, not again, dread and the plan isn't motivating you, you haven't really done the previous steps. Go back to step six and really decide. It has to be 100% commitment or it's not worth bothering. Number eight, reality check your plan. Now that you've got the plan, run it by somebody whom you trust and who has the experience achieving this kind of goal. For example, If you're making another run at starting your own business, get a local entrepreneur to critique your new business plan. Number nine, execute the plan. Take massive action to create momentum. Whenever anything reminds you of your epic fail, use the emotional energy to drive you forward. Think about all the things I've tried and all the times I failed. Was it the product, the approach, the passion, or the timing? I don't think it can all be summed up with one answer, but I can look back now with a different perspective. I love creating, starting from an idea to a plan to execution. It's exciting to see something tangible that was once just an idea in my head. As a result, I have created a wide variety of products that never quite made it off of my shelf and onto someone else's. Some of them make me laugh today, especially thinking back to how serious I was at the time. Others, I think, just miss their window of opportunity. Today, I have grown and my journey has given me a new lens. 
My creativity is still there, but my thoughts are rooted around serving my true potential. If I would have given up or if I had not recovered from my failed attempts, I would have missed out on a whole new world, a chance to come into my own and settle into the flow of mindful production and successful service. I'm thrilled that life taught me and I will forever be a lifelong learner, continually practicing patience and persistence. I just wanted to wrap up and talk about some key takeaways. We've actually covered a lot in this show. Number one, in everything, a healthy balance of push, pull, and release. Think about that. Sometimes you have to push something forward, push your idea, push your um, perspective, push your initiatives. Sometimes you've got to pull people along with you, right? And then sometimes you have to release. You have to be willing to throw in the towel, let it go, try something else. Number two, we only know what we know today. And not only are our ideas growing, but so are our capabilities. Isn't that nice to know that you're not done yet? You still have some growing to do. (laughs) And that even though you tried something that you look back on that might be ridiculous today, remember, you only knew what you knew then. Number three, just because you don't want to continue down this path doesn't mean you're a quitter. It means this path is not the one you're supposed to take. Sometimes we just don't know right? We go at it full speed ahead with all the intentions. We've even done all of our homework and it still doesn't work out. Sometimes we don't even know that timing is not right, right? You know, think about the time when you thought you knew it all only to learn a decade later you had no idea what you were talking about, right? So imagine that your timing and your thoughts of timing could be a little off, Number four, giving up is dropping something just because it's pushing you out of your comfort zone. Remember when we revisited that, how many things have you given up that you probably should have stuck with? You know, how many things did you throw in the towel too quickly? Number five, moving forward is recognizing that what you're doing is either not working or is making you miserable. Then taking another course that gets you to your goal of what's important. You know, there's lots of ways to get over the hump. Maybe it's just an obstacle in your path. Maybe you're on the right path, but you're just hitting a few snags here and there that need to be worked out. Maybe too many snags mean you should be on a different path, and that can easily happen. Go back to the drawing board. Why do you think that was created, that little term? Go back to the drawing board. Map out a new course of action. Modify your approach. Number six, wisdom comes from learning from our mistakes. Isn't that true? Imagine if everything worked out perfectly. I mean, that sounds lovely, but think about it. What would you really learn? And what happened if you did meet adversity? What if everything worked out and all of a sudden you did meet just a small snag? you might lose it. So not that you need to be conditioned with trials and tribulations, but 
but it really does make you more well-rounded, a way to look at it from a lot of different angles. Number seven, remember what's important to you and ground yourself in that when you feel like giving up. So many times we have goals that we are trying to find that motivation for, you know, to get going. And then we find out, hey, that goal isn't even important to me. Maybe I was doing that for someone else. And therefore, I'm not really committed to doing that. So always look at yourself. Always reevaluate. Maybe you've always wanted to go somewhere, right? And as a small child, you've always wanted to do that. And then later on in life, as you've experienced different things, you find out, hey, I'm not really that interested in going there anymore. And you can use that kind of idea with any any sort of goal. But always be reevaluating. Is this important to you? Is this your goal? Number eight, failure can impact us on an unconscious level as well and leave wounds that are far more psychologically devastating. I love that progression of how things kind of snowball, turn into one thing, the next thing. And before you know it, we have a whole, you know, misconceived perception about something. So it's important to understand failure. Not only overcome it, but really understand its effects on us. Number nine, the only thing we can conclude for sure after a failure is that we were unsuccessful at that particular task or goal in that particular time, in those particular circumstances. Don't read more into it. That one attempt failed. You didn't fail at everything. That's where you have to be careful as not to overgeneralize. Oh, everything I do is a complete failure. Now, really, everything? Let's think about that for a moment. Everything you do, you fail at. I bet if you question yourself in that manner, you'll find out that's not true. And number 10, having the courage to keep going is a feeling that may not immediately come, but instead might take a bit of encouragement. You're going to have to maybe keep yourself going. Keep your spirits high. Look for ways to encourage, whether that's reaching out to different people, having a support group, having an accountability partner, someone to help you brainstorm new ideas and kind of benchmark what you've been doing. It's just not going to immediately come to you. You might need to seek out a little bit of extra help, and that is great. Connections are our best teachers. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, use failure as a teacher and a guide. Instead of retreating with a one and done, evaluate what went wrong. Own your responsibility unleash what you can't control, modify your approach or change your target, and then give it another go. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. 
stumble through until the path was clear. 